believe every person has a right to basic knowledge of how to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. Here, I bring to you influential individuals and ideas to help you live a more healthy, fulfilling life. I'm Julie Fouché, and I'd like to welcome you to Pursuing Health. Welcome to episode 28 of Pursuing Health. As we're in the thick of the 2016 regional season, I get to sit down with James Hobart, who not only has a law degree and serves as a full-time flow master on CrossFit seminar staff, but who also has one of the most impressive CrossFit Games competition resumes I've come across to date. James has competed in the Games every single year since 2010 as either an individual or on a team, and he's won the Affiliate Cup as a member of two separate teams, CrossFit New England and CrossFit Mayhem Freedom. This year, he will again be competing on CrossFit Mayhem Freedom's team, and I was excited to catch up with him and pick his brain a little bit to hear his insights about teaching and competing in CrossFit, as well as what drives him to always make himself and those around him better. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First of all, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a five-star rating. Please also head to my website, juliefouché.com. There you can enter email to stay in the loop with the podcast and everything else I'm doing with my bi-weekly newsletter. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll select some to share on future episodes. If you're interested in training with me, check out my program through Beyond the Whiteboard. This is the actual training I do now, five days per week, one hour per day, scheduled out for you minute by minute from warm-up to cool-down. For more info or to try the program out yourself, just visit beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. So with that, let's get started here on episode number 28 of Pursuing Health, featuring the one and only James Hobart. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. I'm here with James Hobart, my partner in crime for the demo video or demo pictures which you just did this morning. Um, but James is another person. I interviewed Pat Sherwood a few epi- episodes ago, and I think you're another person who has a huge spectrum of experience in the CrossFit community and have experienced it from a variety of different lenses. And so I think... I'm excited to hear some of your insight and things that you have to share um, on the podcast. But maybe we can start with just how you got started in CrossFit, how you found it, where you were at in life. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> I think my story of finding CrossFit, I don't think was all that spectacular. Um, for a lot of people, especially before the Open and before it started to show up on ESPN, uh, I just kind of found it on the internet and a friend mm-hmm. who I was working out with at the time, you know, we were really into the whole kettlebell thing. Okay. And, uh, he was like, it was just one of those like, Hey, I found this thing. It's called CrossFit. I think you'd really like it. And so we started just following the website and not really knowing how to navigate like the for time and the, you know, chasing the intensity piece. And so we eventually, uh, this buddy of mine, Mike Bazillion, who now owns an affiliate in uh, Massachusetts where my mom goes to CrossFit okay. now. So it's like kind of full circle, but, uh, it was like we, a couple months into doing CrossFit, we were like, we got to learn more about this. And, uh, we drove nine hours out to Ann Arbor, Michigan right. to hyperfit. 
and uh, did the level one there. And you were only a couple months in at that point. Yeah, not I, we weren't into it. Yeah, like probably I found it in the middle of 2007. So I don't know, six months mm-hmm. into it maybe. Mm-hmm. Of like, and, and probably one of only of those only one of those months actually was like CrossFit. The rest were just kind of not understanding how to do the workouts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And were you? What were you doing prior to that workout-wise? Um, we were. Uh, I wouldn't say it was as as like we we're doing. Sp- I don't know how to, like sports-based calisthenics. You know, okay. like circuit training and routines. I actually, my buddy Mike Bazilian, who I met and we both who got me into CrossFit, he um he was training me when I was playing lacrosse in high school, mm-hmm. and then I just we stayed friends, and I kind of turned into a gym rat when I got to college because I stopped playing sports, and um, that's kind of how I, I got more into it it was just like I, I it was the competitive piece that really drew me into it mm-hmm. and it was funny at the time like no one knew about it and then you'd go to the gym and you'd see the one other guy who like br- took rings gymnastic right. rings out of his bag you're like that guy's a crossfitter CrossFit. and then he was your new best gym friend right um, I would always for a little while in med school I would go to the school gym to work out if I didn't have time and you would always look around. They actually had pretty good equipment yeah. and uh, bumper plates and everything. You see someone with nanos or you see someone with who's sneaking the rings in the gym. You know, yeah. okay, <laughs> maybe I can work out with them. Yeah, like I would just always look for who was bare at that time. And you know, that was like when no one was wearing shoes because <laughs> before Reebok was making right. shoes for CrossFit. So like who was in board shorts because mm-hmm. CrossFit somehow made it cool to work out in board shorts. And then who was barefoot? And there was always those guys I would try and go <laughs> talk to. So Very cool. And so you went to your level one seminar and then it wasn't too long after that, that you started on seminar staff yourself, was it? Actually, it was a pretty long time after that. It was sort of like the distance between, um, level one and seminar staff was enormous for me. And, um, the level one was fantastic. And I think in the same way it is for a lot of people, it was life changing, but I didn't really notice it yet. You know, I was like excited to do everything Mm -hmm. and excited to take the information I had learned there. You know, I met, that's where I met Adrian Bosman. Um, who else was at our level one, a Joda gain who is uh, Mm -hmm. on seminar staff. Now he's one of the course overseers there. He was an intern at the time. Um, John Gilson, who would go on to run again faster. He was there and just a, a bunch of other people. And that time Boz had blue hair. Like it was just a different, <laughs> and you know, I like the schedule. It was just a different world. Uh, still amazing. But anyway, I left that, went back to college and I still had two more years of undergrad maybe. Mm-hmm. And then after that I was planning on going to law school. So I had, I had no aspirations to be involved with fitness, the fitness world, other than like personal gain and right. just liking CrossFit and competing right. in it. And so I wouldn't find about, find out about like, chasing the seminar staff goal and realizing that it was sort of a dream and passion of mine until later in 2000 and 2010 okay 2000 yeah so at that point you're in law school already yeah at that time I had moved down to law school and um had again caught up with John Gilson who was working on seminar staff at the time and Eva Claire Sinkowski mm-hmm. who is uh now does has a whole I guess she's a she's a project manager but also a, a flow master on seminar staff mm-hmm. and uh, they were both coaching at CrossFit Boston I was going there to like work out and work part-time as a coach while okay. I was getting through law school and that's really how I kind of found out about you know my interest in fitness and coaching people was way bigger than just kind of like some extra you know like rent money right and a way to spend my extra time when I wasn't in class okay and so it was during law school that you started um, working towards seminar staff 
And then eventually you came to graduate from law school and decide, hey, yep. this is what I want to do full time. So tell us about that oh. decision and that transition. Yeah, I, I'm, I got a very patient mother because <laughs> it was like um, – and I, I really I hated the first year of law school, but I think everybody does. I've but heard that, that yeah. from multiple people. Yeah, yeah it was it – was I, I literally every day for me was like a call home or like a text to a friend. I was like, I think I'm going to quit today. <laughs> and they were like, no, nah, just stick it out for a week, and then a week would turn into a month. But anyway mm-hmm. – um, yeah, once I graduated law school, by that time, I think I had just recently, it's probably spent just over, just under a year on seminar staff. Um, I was coaching pretty consistently at some of the local affiliates in Boston. And I was like, I finished law school and they tell you in law school the whole time that they're like, you guys are here to be lawyers, you know, and, and you're going to be great lawyers. And that never made sense to me, but it mm-hmm. should have, cause that's why else would you go to law school? <laughs> and, um, and I graduated and I was like, oh crap. I don't want to be a lawyer. Hmm. And I was lucky enough at the time where I was able to do some work behind a desk uh, at Reebok because they're located just outside of Boston. And that was when the CrossFit and Reebok partnership started. And then that's when I had come on to seminar staff. And it was a lot of like right place, right time kind of thing for me. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was very nice because I didn't want to be a lawyer, but I had found this new passion in my life, like teaching people how to improve their lives through fitness was literally the best thing that ever happened to me and like I just never knew that it was happening so it was really it was really now in retrospect it was really sweet Mm -hmm. definitely and I I think that's something that's good for people to see that even if you invest time and resources in yeah law school you still at the end of the day have to follow your heart and do what makes you happy and excites you the most gets you out of bed in the morning so and that's kind of the joke like you know people are like oh don't you feel like you wasted your education and I'm like well no not at all because if I didn't go to law school I never would have been in Boston I never would have been coaching CrossFit mm-hmm. I never would have met the people that I met inside of CrossFit so and, and law school also gave me a lot of skills that I think helped me as a trainer um tons of skills to help me as a trainer yeah. so I don't regret that at all and maybe someday you know, that'll be a, that's a decent plan B. <laughs> if, it's if, not bad to know, fall back if, on if, a law degree. Yeah. If CrossFit's, I wake up tomorrow morning and somehow <laughs> it's just all gone. We can go back to the law thing. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That's how I got here. So with seminar staff, now you are a flow master. You've traveled all over the world working every single weekend. Tell us a little bit about that role and maybe, maybe like the top two or three things that you think you've learned from that that maybe you didn't expect to oh um you know running courses on seminar staff like it's it's really special I remember thinking growing up that you know like all the jobs you know like I want to be a t-shirt and I want to be a firefighter Mm -hmm. I always admired my teachers but I also felt that their job was sort of thankless in the sense that they were putting all this effort into like educate us and make us better and for the most part, and I, this was like in high school, and I was thinking about this, I was like, high school students are turds, <laughs> or at least I was. And it's like, I would see how much stress we would put our teacher through. Right. And so I was like, well, maybe teaching's not it for me. And I kind of went through this, like, struggle with this mentally all through college. Um, the greatest blessing of seminar staff is being able to teach to a captive audience. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I think through the years of seminar staff, people coming into seminars early on, there was like they wanted to be convinced that CrossFit was good so I think there were more struggles early on and mm-hmm. there are good stories about that but um now it's like every weekend I walk in there and you know there's always maybe one or two people who are a little shy or you know have this preconceived notion of what the the weekend is like but you know 99% of them are so happy to be there and learn and they hang on every word 
And there really is nothing more rewarding than teaching to a captive audience. And of all the traveling I've been lucky enough to do, I've never left anywhere and been like, wow, you know, like everybody in Beijing stinks. You know, all the <laughs> CrossFitters in, in Argentina are, are, are just bums. You know, it's like everywhere you leave, you're like, wow, those guys are great. I can't wait to go mm -hmm. back. I, you know, so lucky to have been here. And I don't know what it, I can't put my finger on why that happens. You know, what it is about the community that it is the way it is. But I think that's my favorite part about seminar staff. And that's the biggest thing you learn is, is that uh, there are good people everywhere who are concerned about changing people's lives. We've all just decided we want to use fitness to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but Very good. that's probably like, I don't know if that really summarizes the job, but that's how I feel about the job. For sure. Yeah. And I think, um, it is, I know I obviously don't work as many seminars as you. I work one here and there, but um, every weekend that I leave, I'm so inspired just by the people that you meet and the passion that they bring for what they do. It's always really invigorating. And so I, I can understand why doing it every single weekend, that's still your favorite part. So yeah, very cool. Um, so not only you have sort of the seminar staff view yep. of the CrossFit community, and then you had sort of working for Reebok and seeing that partnership between Reebok and CrossFit. But you also, I think, have probably one of the most well-rounded competitive experiences as well. Yeah. So not only competing as an individual multiple times at the games, but competing on two separate teams, winning the Affiliate Cup with both teams, um, with CrossFit New England and then Mayhem. So t can you talk a little bit just about how you have evolved as a competitor? Oh, yeah. Um, again, it was, I think, like a lot of things that have happened over the last 10 years in CrossFit for everybody, a lot of unexpected. Mm -hmm. So when they first, I, I saw the 2007 games, you know, kind of followed it online, at least what they had put out at mm -hmm. that time and what they could put out when it first started. Same thing, for, you know, watched the Every Second Counts movie in 2008. And a friend of mine was like, hey, in 2009, I was like, hey, I think you should do some local competitions. I feel like you'd be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whatever, you know, like I had, yeah. whatever, I gave it a shot. And I really liked competing. I didn't do terribly well. And at that time, they weren't running the open. They were running like these individually um, run, I don't know, sectionals, mm -hmm. I guess, all over the country. And they all had separate programs. Like they kind of just picked a director who was mm -hmm. usually like some um, – experienced affiliate on the area and he ran it and he ran the weekend and so in 2009 went and did that ended up where did I finish did I win I think I ended up winning in 2009 the sectional in the northeast and that's how I made it to the games the okay. first time went to the games did terrible <laughs> it was out at the ranch in Aromas but had a lot of fun and it was really cool and then next year made it back in 2010 as an individual did a little bit better but still had a huge huge learning curve and then in 2011, I took some time off from competing and training. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I had moved a little further outside of Boston. I just started competing with um, CrossFit New England and Ben Bergeron and his crew out there because I saw that, like, Ben was really big on at the time. He would always say, he's like, hey, if I had a running club, we would compete in running. He's like, I feel like I want to try and get everybody, if they want to compete, to compete. And mm -hmm. so there were a lot of athletes who were at that gym who wanted to compete. And so I liked being there and training with them. And again, it was kind of like slowly one thing led to another and um, ended up competing with them on the team. And that was the first year that 
Yeah, that was the first year we won the Affiliate Cup with CrossFit New England, and then not a bad first team experience. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> it was surreal, really, really cool, and especially since then, with how even in 2009, 2011, I just I hope you know because CrossFit's so huge now. There's almost 300,000 people doing the Open. I hope people get a chance to like or at least get bored enough sometimes or interested enough to go back and like go through the journal and mm-hmm. see how far it's come. Cause even the first year in 2010, we went to the home Depot center and there was maybe, you know, six people sitting in the stands and there were, you know, yeah. 2000 seats empty. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of empty seats. And, uh, just this, and then now to see how it's like sold out and it's on ESPN is, is really cool. And then since then, uh, competed on team a couple more times. And then once as an individual in 2014, and um, to answer, I guess, I, I don't know, the specific question, how has it changed and what have I learned? Um, there's always more growing to do. There's always a bigger fish. And at now, it's just you, you have to put in the time. It's amazing to me how fit everyone has gotten mm-hmm. or become and how much time they have. I mean, you know this better than anyone. You're, you're saying it today. It's It's like even now you realize, like, I don't know how I had enough time to compete beforehand but how much time is required to be a competitive CrossFitter. Absolutely. It's it's pretty incredible. And I've my favorite thing I've been able to see is like knowing some of the top athletes, you know, knowing people like you, knowing people like Rich or, or Austin Maliola, people have been to the games multiple time and and been at the tippity top of the tip of the spear. It really it's like it's like mind blowing and how much work and effort that has to go into it to make it happen. It is. A lot of different pieces have to fall into place and a lot of work and um, focus on that one task all year round. And you recently wrote an article in the CrossFit Journal too, a deaf dose of volume. Yep. And so maybe this sort of piggybacks off this idea of building up into volume. And in that article you gave a prescription or a guideline for people to slowly increase their volume or at what point they might be ready to start adding volume in. Um, What has been as you've evolved as a competitor and have you, as you've seen the community evolve, um, how has your volume changed or what, what differences have you noticed since you've added more volume into your training? Um, well, the, the increase in volume for me as a competitive athlete, I think one really important thing to understand is it was, and this was actually, there was a much bigger piece of this in that article beforehand, but I cut it out. Um, is in order to increase that volume, it was like I had to stop doing other things. Mm. You know, it was like I needed all of the energy possible to compete or train and then recover. And so, you know, the fact that I travel, like the bulk of my work is on the weekends and the rest of the work I can do from home at a computer, I think that's, you know, what makes it possible for me to do that extra volume. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people who are competing at the games or regional level probably have some sort of similar circumstance. And now I, know I don't want to like insult all the mm-hmm. parents out there who are like making it to the games right. and, you know, working a nine to five job, but it's much harder to increase volume and commit more time to the gym. If you still have all of these other things in your life that you have to give a lot of energy to. And for me, I would say once you have that piece established, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, it was kind of a slow gain of increasing volume and, and seeing I think for me it was like as long as I was mentally eager to be in the gym and I continually saw results, I would kind of tinker with adding more volume or less volume. And, of mm-hmm. course, there are things that make that easier, whether you have somebody, like you were saying earlier, who writes a program for you or having a really good training partner who you can chase and keeps you motivated. Mm-hmm. I think those are all little um, little gems that can help you move along. Absolutely. What inspired you to write the article? 
the article about volume, gosh, I don't. It's probably because like, it's like a really big soapbox issue for a lot of us, mm-hmm. and I I do think it's really. Well, the simple answer is the amount of questions we got about adding volume to your programming at both the level one and the level two. Okay. And sometimes I feel like the it comes from a couple of places. I think sometimes people will just want to say like, hey, is it okay if I want to spend all gym, the day in the gym and work out? And Pat Sherwood and I talked about this a lot for a while, and he was like, well, if somebody just is having fun and they're not getting hurt and they have all day to hang out in the gym and train, he's like, who am I to say right. they shouldn't do it? But I also think on top of that, it's it's. I think there is sort of a conception looking at games athletes, region levels athletes, that in order to get fitter, we have to do more. Like, and the cocktail hasn't changed. You know, it's. And for me, it, this didn't become really apparent until my mom got into CrossFit. And it's one of those things where it's like it sounds like you're bragging, but you speak to what you know. Mm-hmm. My mom started CrossFit when she was 54 years old. She's always walked and done yoga. And every affiliate out there has a story like this. Mm-hmm. But um, she came into CrossFit slowly. It was almost like just through osmosis. I really tried never to push her into it. But mm-hmm. deep in the you know my heart, I was like, oh, gosh, I hope she makes and right. you know, does CrossFit. <laughs> and watching her grow through CrossFit, she was a good mover. She learned things pretty quickly. But she wasn't getting the results from the intensity that I wanted her to get. <laughs> And um, I would always ask her, like, oh, you can go faster. You can do more weight. Or you can do this. Like, go do this workout. And she was just like, nope, I'm going to do my own thing and get better. And she has. She's slowly gotten better. Mm -hmm. She did the open this year as prescribed. Wow. And that really made me realize that, like, constantly varied functional movements, execute a high intensity, it works. You know, it works 20 years ago. It works now. One workout a day, you know, rest a couple days a week have fun and, uh, and, and, and enjoy it and track your progress. And it's, it's going to work for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. regardless of, I think who you are and what your current capacity is. And I think it's, it's always good for us to have that reminder of like, look, you still don't have to do more in order to get better. You just have to do less better. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I guess that was my motivation. I just, it was a really nice reminder. And I just want, I want people to always remember that, you know, as long as you live, follow the program and its basic protocol and you will get fitter and you'll spread your GPP out and you'll stay healthy. And the most important thing is you'll be able to apply your fitness outside of the gym because let's face it, we won't always be, you know, those of us and those that are competing at the regionals and games, that won't always be what you're doing. At the end of the day, it's like when I'm 60 years old, can I get up and out of a chair by myself and can I chase my grandkids around and and have fun with my friends when I work out? Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to remember that, I think. Right. And having the patience to realize, okay, just because I see these people who are competing, making progress every single year, doesn't need to make me, doesn't mean I need to make that same progress at that same rate. I have my whole life to sort of reach that peak of fitness for myself. And I think that's probably the hardest part I know for myself and for other people is just having the patience to say, okay. As long as I'm improving, it doesn't have to be by 10 pounds. It can be by a half a pound, one pound, whatever. Yeah, a little bit here and there. And mm-hmm. It's easy to lose sight of with like how exciting the games are. And the thing I love most about the Open is like it. even if you're, you know, you finish 28,000th in the world, it's like you're so happy to beat the guy who is 28,000th and one. Right. You know, and I love <laughs> how it like makes people so crazy, but it's easy to get caught up in like, all year, like I need to do more, 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 more just to train for the open. Well, we're not doing CrossFit for the open. Right. You know, there's 
for probably all of us, there's a bigger reason why we're doing it. Absolutely. It's a fun, fun time of year and it definitely brings out the best in people. But at the end of the day, (laughs) that's not the reason why if the open wasn't here, we would still be doing CrossFit. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) The world would go. It's funny saying that now, but yeah, the world would go on without the open. (laughs) But uh, no, it is great. So, um, and I've seen a lot of similar things in my family. We talked a lot about when our moms both started around yeah. the same time um, and seeing similar things in my family. And my my mom has had her own setbacks as well. She had to stop because she had a couple surgeries and things like that. But now she's back into it. And same thing with my sister, who I never wanted to push into CrossFit. She was never um, – she played volleyball growing up and was competitive there, but – never was one to really go and work out on her own or to push herself. Mm-hmm. And slowly she, I think once she saw the games or she came to the games and saw, um, the environment there, she slowly started going. And for her, it was the same thing similar to your mom where she'd be like, Oh, I've done enough for today. Yeah. I don't need to push myself any harder. And now she's at a point where this year she's almost beating me on open workouts. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you get here? But it's just that slow, steady progress. Um, and then that, fire sort of starts to build too as you continue to improve and get new skills and it's exciting to see especially in people that you care about them get so excited about it too yeah it, it, it's and it's I think it's important for people who never thought they would cross it to do it and get involved with it because I think they're sometimes a better uh, conduit yeah conduit for sharing it with with other new athletes or maybe even athletes and people who need it more um, but I always joke when people ask me about volume they're like well you know what do I do with volume or what do I do about training or how do I get my 55 year old dad or 70 year old grandmother into CrossFit? And I was like, just slowly. And I, 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 you know, the games is like beautiful. And I think it like spreads CrossFit the fastest cause it is so attractive and flashy. Mm-hmm. But, um, the people who benefit from it the most are probably not the 20 somethings, you know, right. like we're just, when you're 20, you're just made to be fit. Um, you know, as long as you're not like killing yourself with diet or something like that. But, uh, it's nice for like new people to get involved with the open and how accessible it is. Cause I think it just helps spread CrossFit to the people who, who it matters to the most. And I, I, that's one of my favorite things about it. And I'm sure you see, that's probably a big part of what you do in being able to combine, um, you know, CrossFit with your, your medical background and, and training and schooling. So. so yeah, sometimes that's the hardest, the biggest challenge is helping people to understand that, CrossFit is much more than the games and that it can be scalable. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the coolest moments this year from the open in that first open workout, when they had the two employees at, um, HGST doing the workout. And I saw so many people then sign up for the open because they saw them doing the workout next to the games athletes. And so that was, that was really neat. I think that that's what it's all about. It's getting the, the average person to, put themselves out there doing the open or, or walking to the gym because sometimes that's the hardest part is the first time you walk in. Yeah, no, that was, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Really Any cool. other advice? Say you're, you're doing CrossFit, you are crazy about CrossFit, drinking the Kool-Aid <laughs> and you just want your parents or your friends to start doing it too. What do you think is the best thing that you can do to introduce someone to CrossFit? Um, buy a PVC pipe. You know, it's I the move like the program. Well, let me say this: we really, I believe now, probably more than ever, 
in the last almost let's say what's this nine years that I've been doing CrossFit and learning about CrossFit and coaching it is that we're 100% born to do these movements they're a part of our lives and um, any quality of movement can be improved mm -hmm. and I think the PVC pipe is such an important tool because um, there really is no loading there you can still teach movement patterns and it maintains at the risk of injury because of the functional mm -hmm. part of the movement it maintains that the risk of injury is so super low there's really <clears throat> no movement that you couldn't teach to anyone with a pvc pipe and i i think that's go out and get one you know i don't know keep I it in your that. car that'd be kind of nerdy you can keep it in the corner <laughs> of your house or your room yeah but and it <clears throat> i think it's good for people to see that because you know you keep putting people through warm-ups with PVCs because it makes it look so accessible. Mm -hmm. And it is. You know, I, when I sometimes, I always cringe a little bit when people say, oh, well, we're doing like a CrossFit light class at our <laughs> gym. I'm like, no, no, you're not doing CrossFit light. You're just following the program and scaling it properly. Right. <laughs> That's still CrossFit. And um, and it's, it's, it's good to be able to have that skill. I, I love it's important. that. That's a great one. I don't Buy know. a PVC pipe. Yeah. Perfect. If you, best advice you could give to someone who is starting CrossFit today? Best advice to someone who's starting CrossFit? Find a buddy. Mm. You know, even if it's someone you don't know, like seek out somebody in the gym who you want to talk to and work with. Just because I think it's, it, like I said, it, like for my mom, I think, you know, seeing her, there were definitely parts of the journey that were intimidating. Like she never did things like a back squat or a front squat or a power or a squat snatch. And now it's like she talks about her group of the group of women she works out with at the gym. They, she calls them her alphas. <laughs> and, um, you know, like go there and make the goal be to like find a community of people you like to hang out with or find mm -hmm. some friends. The fitness thing will happen on its own. You know, that's like inevitable by doing the program. But go in there with the goal of like sharing yourself as a friend and finding a friend. And I think it just makes the ride a whole lot more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Definitely. And you've, I think, done a really good job. Maybe it's another situational thing, but of always surrounding yourself with training partners and with people who <laughs> are going to make you a lot better. Yeah, I'm a good sidekick. <laughs> um, so, yeah. How do you, wh what effect does that have on your training and how do you seek out those peer groups that are going to bring bring you up? Yeah. There's just definitely something to. Yeah, like I said, like having a buddy is just, there's something really special there and it's, it's motivating, not just like when you're standing next to them for some odd reason, your best friend is usually the person you want to lose to last, but uh, there's something really special to that, you know, find somebody you, you would hate to lose to mm -hmm. and you like to hang out with. That's the ideal training partner because for every aspect of the training element it makes it better having that friend there you know whether you're stressed or tired or whether you are motivated and you want to do another workout mm -hmm. it makes all of that better you know and, and we see that in the gyms every day greg has said that for years men and women will die for points mm -hmm. and um you know to see your name on the whiteboard above you know who Susie's name is the best feeling it's the best feeling ever and it makes you want to come back for more how do you find those people i don't know you just kind of look around and, and find see who's doing it better than you. Mm -hmm. And you got to tolerate you got I read this really cool book recently called I think it was called Black Box Thinking. And in it the author really just talks about the whole book is how do we make it not necessarily comfortable for us to fail mm -hmm. but create an environment where if we do fail 
we can learn from that failure and then improve from there. And um, I think you got to go in kind of with that attitude, you know, like realize that it's okay if you lose. Mm-hmm. If the goal you're trying to build out of this, like, okay, why did I lose? How can I make myself better? You know, what happens next time kind of deal. Right. And, um, you know, training with guys like Austin Maliolo and training with someone like Rich at CrossFit Mayhem and really all of the athletes down there. There's no, like, I've never had, like, oh, well, I'm on my, you know, one-month-long winning streak. You know, mm-hmm. the winning streak lasts one workout, and then somebody else beats you. Right. And it's it's definitely something that keeps pushing you to get better. Right. And yeah. You never want to get too comfortable always having that process of, okay, what did I, what can I do better? What can I do better? Yeah. And having those people. And it's true in anything in life, whether it's working out or whether it's anything else you're doing. So you were kind of an athlete who trained, didn't you train alone? You had, you were, had I did at times. Um, and I noticed, a, I noticed the one year where I did train alone, a majority of the year was 2014. And I noticed it a lot when I got to the games yeah. that I just, I just was constantly almost in my own little world. Yeah. Um, and I just wasn't, I think that I benefited a lot the years that I did have a training partner. So last year, 2015, I had a training partner that I, I think brought me to a much higher level than I ever could have been on my own. Um, and a lot of it is those little things. It's like when you're tired and you're in a workout or, and you don't want to do it, but you can't stand to lose to them and you want to, push yeah. it a little bit harder or you're going to go for your, you're going to stop. You just did your last snatch and they say, Hey, why don't you try another one and throw those two and a half on there? Why not? Yeah. It's those things that just happen naturally that over time build up and make you so much better than you ever could be on your own. Yeah. So I know that was a huge thing. And this year too, I noticed it too. Now I'm just, you know, training an hour a day, but I have a great group of people that I train with. I'm having more fun than ever. And I, most days I get to the gym and I'm so tired and I don't want to work out, but I get there. And as soon as we start the workout, I'm like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just take my time here. But without a doubt, a minute into the workout, I'm like, Oh, these girls are catching up to me. I better (laughs) speed it up. I better push it. And I'm, I'm becoming, um, much fitter than I ever would be if I was just training on my own. Yeah. I think there's something really special to that. I mean, it is, there's a reason, you know, CrossFit affiliates, you know, have a lot of members and don't only just do one-on-one training sessions. You know, there's something about that group dynamic. That's really special and great. It's so powerful. So much fun. So powerful. All right. Well, I want to finish with three questions. I ask everyone on the podcast. Oh boy. So first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. Three things that I do that have the biggest positive impact on my health. Well, I would say well, <laughs> the first, the, honestly, um, the first thing, and I know maybe I'm just it sounds like I'm paying lip service, but uh, the first thing I really try and do is is whenever possible, I try and make sure that sugar is not a foundational piece, a staple piece of my, of my diet. You know, it stuff like that, sugar processed foods mm-hmm. remain a treat. And I, and it's funny, I was someone who had a lot of allergies and I noticed that when I don't, and this is anecdotal, (laughs) but when I don't eat a lot of it, like the allergies aren't, aren't there as, as much, Mm -hmm. um, on top of this is kind of a combined answer on top of that. Uh, the biggest thing lately that I've been doing is I cook for myself and my girlfriend a whole lot and it's been, she really likes to eat cleaner foods, non-processed foods. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's been really, really fun for me and a positive impact on, on my health just because I'm controlling a lot more of what I do. The food's delicious. I'm learning stuff. I'm screwing stuff up. And so mm-hmm. I think that's have, had a really positive impact. That's huge. I think that so many people can get into the nitpicky details of nutrition, but if you don't eat processed foods and cook for yourself, those would be the number one and number two things I think I would recommend if you want to eat healthy and not stress too much about the details. Yeah. And it was, I was checking out of the grocery store the other day and the, the woman was, she was scanning the foods and it was like apples and asparagus and, and I was kind of like watching the screen to see how it all added up. Cause lately mm-hmm. I've been trying to track, <laughs> you know, what, what kind of is more expensive or cost right. effective. And she was like, wow, eating healthy is really expensive. And I walked out of the store and I was kind of thinking to myself like, no, it's actually really not. <laughs> and, um, I think at first it, the doing the, making the change mm-hmm. takes a little bit of extra work, but it, you know, just like anything, like once it becomes habit or once you become good at it, it's just, it's involuntary and it just occurs and right. it's, it's just as easy as anything else. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think lately that's probably had the, been the one thing that's had the biggest impact on my health. That's a great one. Um, the second thing I would just say is staying in, for me, staying involved with CrossFit, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, you know, I'm driven to do better in competing and so therefore I, you know, I make certain lifestyle changes and train in a certain way and eat in a certain way that has a huge impact on my health and my life. And, um, maybe the third thing would be is, um, share what I've learned with other people. I think, cause one that keeps you accountable. You don't want to go mm-hmm. tell somebody something if you haven't done it. And, um, two, when you share with other people, you're always confronted with new challenges of, of how to stay healthy or they tell you something that they've been doing that's completely opposite to what you've done and it's working for them. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly like learning and ref, you know, learning and looking at it in a new light and seeing how many different, sometimes how simple it is, but also how many different facets there are or just how much new information is that you can gather on it. I guess those, those that's are my great. three things. That's great. Yeah. Second question is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you just have a hard time implementing it or you haven't been consistent. Um, one thing that I think what I've been really curious to actually, um, do some blood work mm-hmm. and, you know, like mess around with either some diet or, or training or sleeping mm-hmm. variables and then having a follow up blood work. I don't know if that would have a huge impact on my health, but I think it would be just another way to paint the picture of it. Sure. Just and I've the just haven't, haven't kind of pulled the trigger on it at all. Right. Just having that data and taking the time to figure out what works best for you. What yeah. That's it. it, definitely. But again, takes the time and planning up front to make it happen. Yeah. Um, okay, last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? A uh, healthy life looks like to me, I, I think it, it looks like quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously I'm pretty heavily, heavily influenced by what we talk about at the Level 1 seminar. And that is, you know, the ability to live independently. And on top of that, be free of, you know, be free of sickness and disease, but not just be free of sickness and disease, have that quality of life piece. I think that's what a healthy life looks like to me, because if you have that, you know, you can then go do all the other things that you'd like to do, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's chase your grandkids around or mountain bike on the weekends. I mean, activity is obviously a huge part of that, but I I will say this, the least I know is that an unhealthy life is is a sedentary one. Mm-hmm. You know, I over the last f- 
nine years I've been involved in CrossFit, I 100% believe now that the default setting for getting older is not just to like get fat, fall apart, and die. Like, and I do think a lot of it's kind of a soapbox thing, but I do think a lot of people believe that they're like, oh well, you know, I'm older now, so it's okay to be fat, and, or I'm older now, and it's of course I'm gonna, you know, become, you know, develop osteoporosis or arthritis right. or high cholesterol, and and I I think that's unfortunately the conventional thought. But what I've seen in CrossFit and dealing with people now in the fitness industry is that's not the default setting. It's like, yeah, age is going to take a toll. It's Mm -hmm. what it does. But it can be a happy ride to the finish line. You know, it doesn't have to be peak and then straight downhill. So. It doesn't have to be a reality that you just accept, but something that, and which I think that it is just based on the way our society is set up and how a lot of people are work you know working sedentary jobs living sedentary lives and the food that we're surrounded with it just kind of sets you up to accept that as your reality when in fact it's not the case yeah and I think we're far more in control of our own health than we think we are Mm -hmm. and I think the ability to improve it is much more simple than a lot of us have thought in the past or the grand majority of people think and um hopefully slowly it it does get out there to to everyone and mm-hmm. i'm sure you see a lot of that cuz i feel definitely in the in certain medical fields it's like they you know they always get the worst case scenario right and and greg has said this he said you know we want to we want to make um swim coaches not lifeguards he's like the doctors the surgeons it's like those guys are the lifeguards they right. pull you out of the water when you're drowning he's like we want to teach people how to swim so they don't are less likely to be in that situation of drowning and exactly. and I think that's a nice a nice piece to think about. And understanding that that's the healthcare system I- I- at least in its current form is there to save you when you're drowning. And and people are starting to realize that and saying, "Hey, I have to take control of my own life, my own health because the healthcare system is not there to make me healthy. It's there to catch me when I yeah. at my worst or when I start falling down." So and hopefully we'll see that changing over the next you know, decades or so, but at least that's the the state that we're in right now. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sitting Truly, down with yeah, me. Thank you I'm so much for having me. Really excited to continue to follow CrossFit Mayhem through thank regionals you. and the games this year. So good luck, and and good luck to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll see you at regionals. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. James always has such great insights to share with the community, and I hope you were able to take something away from our conversation. I know I sure did. We'll both be competing next weekend at the CrossFit Games Central Regional in Columbus, so don't forget to tune in at games.crossfit.com. We are wishing James and his team Mayhem Freedom the very best of luck this season. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com. There you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. I always love to hear your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, juliefouché.com, and share your thoughts on social media with hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you next time here on Pursuing Health.